of Bray Wyatt, and I apologize, Bray. Uh, anyways, this is actually another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, uh, where we break down the best and sometimes the worst of wrestling within the last week, and break down the news for you guys uh, every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST. Join us live, or you can listen to this uh, on our website. You can go to gvnation.com for Geek Vibes Nation. That's the name of the overall media group. That Wrestling Geeks Alliance is under uh, GVNation.com, and there is news for wrestling, comic books, comic book movies, movies, video games, pretty much everything. Sports, if you're into that, you know, into anything, we try to cover it. Also, links to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter. Uh, I want to see more interaction if we can get it, guys. Definitely check it out. Uh, I'm primarily on Facebook. I know that my co-host, who I'll introduce, is on uh, various uh, platforms as well, but uh, definitely come and talk to us and uh, post some stuff. You know, I know that we have a lot of people listening, and I appreciate that, and uh, especially the people that come back every week after I ramble, like I'm doing right now. But um, yeah, definitely check it out. Also, you'll have links to you know being able to listen to it on iTunes or the Blog Talk itself right now. But either way, I am of course just like always uh, with my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing wonderful, man. Excited for this uh, wonderful episode of our podcast and uh, trying to get woke up, drink some caffeine. How how about you, man? How are you doing? I'm so freaking tired. I'm not going to lie, guys. This could be a long (laughs) one. Uh, You know, I can be lively, but I was slipping while I was introing. But um, yeah, you know, we work a lot and, uh, uh, you know, we're pretty tired. We've watched way too much wrestling. I know that I have for sure. Uh, probably on a healthy amount that even Chris would be like, dang, chill out, sleep and shit. I don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> either way, that's why we're here to chat about this stuff. So let's get into it. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of news. I think the first one is kind of um, it's kind of some throwaway news, honestly. I don't think there's much to it, but we'll speculate on it since everyone else is talking about it. But did CM Punk make his return to professional wrestling? Well, uh, kind of. Um, apparently, MKE and uh, MKE Wrestling uh, in Wisconsin, owned by uh, Silas Young, uh, the original place or one of the original places that CM Punk would wrestle at, uh, had its last show over the weekend, and a a man uh, that had the same outfit that CM Punk had before the show, uh, except for with the mask on, just coincidentally, I guess, uh, ran out and saved uh, CM Punk's. Uh, coach, or one of the guys that trained him, Ace Steel, in a match, uh, almost getting smashed with a chair. 
CM Punk, I mean the guy, not CM Punk, uh, then gave a his his movie to go to sleep uh, to the gentleman and ran out and drove off. And a um, lot of uh, theories, including Silas Young, who just abruptly said on Facebook, I think CM Punk just interrupted the main event at the show. Um, so, yeah, apparently this has happened beforehand. Uh, Punk has been a manager for a guy in a match uh, dressed up as stuff. A lot of people, there was rumors that CM Punk at the, um, at the uh, press conference, at least, was dressed as the bear that Cody came out with. I forgot what the bear's called. Um, so, you know, he seems like he's keeping his toe in, but a lot of people are like, is he coming back? Is, does this mean that CM Punk's coming back to wrestling? I would calm the fuck down, but I don't think it, it's, it's bad that he at least is doing certain things like this. Could it lead to a possibility of him returning in some type of way? Maybe through commentary, obviously probably, or I shouldn't say obviously, but probably not WWE. I mean, crazier shit's happened. Um, but in some, some form in the future, I don't know. Uh, but either way, uh, I'm going to say kind of ambiguous towards it right now. I kind of want to hear what you have to say about this, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was a one-off spot for a place that he kind of grew up wrestling when he first came into the business, and, and obviously he has friends that, that work there. I believe Ace Still is over there um, and some other people that you know he came up with through Chicago. So I think it was just a one-off thing. I know that earlier – what is it right around that area he he had worked a jiu-jitsu or a brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament i think he finished in like third or something that was some news that f4w had put out um around the same time and i, I think that the mass character is wearing a similar hoodie um I, you know it just seems like a one-off thing all he did was come in and hit a gts and that was it. And then he was gone with the mask, you know, with full mask. And he did, there was no reveal. There was no anything. It seems like it was just a one-off fun thing. Um, I still just don't see CM Punk coming back in any kind of full-time wrestling role anywhere. I think, you know, when we were talking about maybe an announcer for AEW or something like that, at this point, it seems like even that ship has kind of sailed. So I just don't know what you would do with CM Punk, and obviously, you know, he's still out there wrestling jiu-jitsu tournaments and doing that sort of stuff. So, I, you know, th- this more seems like it was just something fun to do for Punk more than anything else. So I wouldn't put any more stock into it than that. Um, he also did come out and, like, take shots at Colt Cabana earlier this week through Ronald Funches. Oh, you know, they still have that ongoing lawsuit, so he's got some personal stuff that's still going on with that. So I, I just don't know. Um, maybe if all the lawsuit costs, costs add up, then we will see him come back to wrestling. But as of right now, I, uh, I, I, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think if anything, this means that he's at least having a little bit of a twitch in the wrestling thing, but he's fulfilling it by doing something small and minor of the like where people won't have any idea that that was CM Punk that they just saw. Uh, in some random ass show in some indie promotion, but who knows? I mean, like I said, with wrestling, crazier things have happened. We've had people return back that, or even return back to, you know, a certain federation, most of the time WWE that you never thought would ever be doing that. So um, another uh, small note uh, that you can kind of uh, comment on that's related to this. Uh, Recently, Tony Khan was interviewed. Uh, uh, Everyone out there, Tony Khan is the, uh, the main 
president, if you will, like the guy that's ahead of Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny uh, for AEW. He's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, or at least his father is, and then he owns a good portion of that big sports um, analytic expert. Um, but, you know, we've talked um, uh, at length, but if you didn't know, Tony Khan was talking about that even before, um, you know, I think the question that was asked to him was, who was the first superstar you thought, thought of? And he actually said that, honestly, before Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny Omega, he offered something to CM Punk. And Phil obviously turned it down, but he said that it was a very mutual, uh, nice thing uh, between them. And he said, basically, in small talk, the, the door's always open sort of thing. So there's that. I wouldn't kind of blow that too much out of proportion, but it was another thing that happened. Uh, but did you hear about this? I, I did, and I mean, it would be, you know, from his standpoint, it would have made sense to talk if you were looking at starting a wrestling business before, you know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks kind of blew up over the last few years like they have. CM Punk was the biggest free agent out there, and then, you know, it, it that eventually became the Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega and Cody, um, or the elite, I guess. So, I mean, it makes sense, and, and to say the door is always there, obviously, CM Punk just showing up at a random event people figuring out that he was a dude in a mask like overnight proves that he still has a lot of drawing power. So I, I, you know, even with Vince, I don't think that door would ever be completely closed. I think any wrestling company could probably figure out a way to make CM Punk work, even if it was for a one-off thing. It's just a matter of if he wants to actually do it or not, which that's the part that I've always kind of questioned, not necessarily, you know, how can you get this guy back in and, and put over a match and make people tune into it? I don't think that's the problem. It's still more just if the, if the wrestler himself wants to be a part of it more than anything else. And, and like him dipping his toe back into the water, I almost equate it to like, you know, when a band goes on hiatus for a long time and then they just do an unannounced show. It's almost like yeah. if CM Punk really yep. wants to do wrestling and not have all the overhead of constantly being a wrestler and all the drama that goes behind that. He could just literally do that for the rest of his life and just show up at these indie shows, like um, if he's just looking to do it for fun or whatever. But yeah, it's that's kind of what it reminded me of is like, you know, Metallica doesn't play for you know a ton of years after Saint Anger, and then they just start doing these pop up shows, like unannounced shows and shit. So it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that you brought up a really good point the the last time you were talking that I, I almost forgot about, but. Um, the only way I could see it really possibly getting to the point where CM Punk would be interested is if he does have legal issues after all these lawsuits are done. So uh, we'll have to wait and find out exactly what happens. Um, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. I wouldn't, just because he's great on the mic um, and he's been talking about doing it for MMA, I would love to see him, uh, even just for pay-per-views or, one, or just come in you know, sometime and do some color commentating. Uh, for for a certain match or something, I think that would be a lot of fun. But getting him back in the ring, that's going to be probably later than sooner. So, uh, anyways, let's go into some, some more some uh, some WWE related news. Um, I think this is probably one of the biggest ones uh, that Sasha Banks is still um, MIA right now. Um, you know, the WWE are letting her um, you know take a break, uh, I guess to recharge her battery or whatnot. Uh, but there's been uh, newer statements that said that she was trying to sit out the rest of her contract. Now, I believe she actually just re-signed a new contract last year, so she might have like two years left on that. Um, uh, I've, I hope that that's not the case. They seem to be 
kind of uh, very similar to Dean Ambrose in the sense of they're not just granting a release or kind of torturing them as of yet, but keeping them on there, kind of similar to what they did with Ty Dillinger with the first scenario and then Pac with the second Neville. Uh, but like they had, they know their stock within her, like they did with Dean, you know, and um, just uh, very strange that this is going on. I don't know. I don't know if they've worked everything out and all of a sudden Sasha's going to end up in that money in the bank and maybe she'll end up winning it and then taking one of the titles from one of the matches that Becky's going to be in. Maybe the end of the night after she's worn out. I don't know. I'm just spitting shit right off the top of my head. Uh, either way, Chris, uh, is this is this alarming if you're a Sasha Banks fan with WWE or maybe, you know, cooler heads are prevailing and we'll find out once we find out sort of thing? It, it's a it's definitely alarming from the standpoint that WWE has kind of acknowledged at this point that she is one, she is on hiatus and two on commentary they're saying she kind of took her ball and went home. Um, and they've definitely came out and said, well, we've given her the option. She, if she wants to set out the rest of her contract, she can. So they're not saying, hey, we're going to release her. They're saying if she wants to sit out the rest of her contract, <laughs> then she can sit out the rest of her contract, meaning they're going to do what they did with Pac, which held him for a year. He couldn't really wrestle anywhere for a full year. If you remember, Neville was just gone, which to me will – it, it could possibly kill but like Becky's career. Um, I think she would lose a lot of steam because she kind of was – when Neville left, he had just come off a whole bunch of matches and was like one of the long, if not the longest reigning cruiserweight champion during that time period. I think he was the longest reigning cruiserweight champion. I think someone may have surpassed him by this point, but he was on every pay-per-view in winning matches and had a character and was kind of out there being relevant, whereas like, you know, the, the, the experiment with Bailey and, and Sasha didn't go too well right before that. She had lost to Ronda. She had kind of lost a lot of her heat, which, it, it, you know, I, she definitely had, wasn't on the same level as, say, a Charlotte or a uh, Becky Lynch by the time that this all occurred. So a year from now, say they do hold her up for a year, I don't know that that's going to be really good for her wrestling career in general. But then at the end of the day, you know, Maybe it makes people look at contracts a little harder. Maybe this is something where you do hire a lawyer to try to get out of a contract. No one's really went that route yet. Or maybe she does end up coming back like you said. I just – from the way everything is starting to sound, it does seem like she is going to sit out, which means whatever time that they've given her off thus far, they'll tack on to that contract similar to what they did with Puck. I don't know how long she signed for. I do think that she did resign like you said, but – uh it could be a long time before we see Sasha Banks wrestling again. And even when she does come back, she won't be wrestling as Sasha Banks. I don't think, I think uh, she'll be coming back as like the boss or something. So who knows? I think that is a very weird situation for her just because of how her contract is kind of, I would say that she's probably at least locked up for a year. And it's it sounds like that you know from even like the Sun reported Deadspin a, a bunch of other places that are non wrestling in general ninety percent of the time have came out and said that they're just kind of stuck and they're in this unchanged dispute and uh, there's definitely a lot of like Deadspin did a really good article specifically talking about how WWE contracts further prove kind of what we talked about and uh, was it dead was it John Daly. Who the hell? Who's the guy that does the HBO show? The John Oliver. 
John Oliver, there you go. I couldn't think of his last name, basically saying that these are not <laughs> these are not contractors if you can't even quit your job kind of thing, or they, they, they yeah. basically hold you almost into a, a slave type situation. And, you know, Luke Harper is going to be sitting out too. So it's not just Sasha. Uh, like that's kind of uh both, but there, there's a good dead spin article out there. I would suggest people go and read that has some, uh, just some more detail on how that thing works out, but it, yeah, it is a really weird situation with those contracts, and they can hold her up as long as they want with the way that currently sets unless you can get a couple of these people to all leave together and maybe get a lawyer involved or um, I'm not saying unionize but put some heat on the WWE and give them some negative press that would possibly cause a, cause a change. Very similar to what um, Jerry Ryan and all of them did with Lucha Underground except on a much larger scale with a company like WWE, but yeah. I could see that something like that happening. I mean, they have a lot of people that are asking for their release uh, at a probably a bigger time uh, within WWE's history. Um, well, actually, I'm sure it's happened a lot in the 90s. Uh, weird, huh? Uh, especially the mid to early 90s. But, you know, with Sasha, she is, you know, even if they called her the boss, gave her a different name, you know, it's going to be a weird thing we're going to have to experience. But me and Chris already experienced this with WCW and WWE specifically. When superstars would go to another show and be like, "Wait, they're not Diesel? Like, what the? What do you mean, Kevin? What the fuck's a Kevin Nash?" It's just um, <laughs> obviously, you know, it is is kind of weird. But I think the same thing for uh, look at War Whatever, you know, whether it be War Raiders or um, I'm forgetting the original name because I'm a Mark. Um, but either <laughs> War Machine. You know, thank you. Yes, War Machine. Um, you know, or the Viking Raiders or whatever the hell they're called. It's going to be weird. It's going to be different. But she still will be a big name if she goes to Women of Wrestling, if she goes to Impact, uh, AEW, if they have a strong women's division, uh, Shine, Shimmer. There's places that Sasha Banks can go and do stuff. But how, like Chris was saying, how much will her flame be kind of dwindled out, especially if she does? Because I think it was Brian Alvarez that said she had two more years, uh, to the best of his knowledge. I don't know if that's 100% sure that's – that's me trying to remember someone else who said it. Uh, but that would that would suck. That would definitely not be good. But who knows? Maybe, like I said, be positive about it, Sasha Banks fan, boss fans, boss fans, um, especially Michael Cole, because I think he'll have a heart attack if he can't ever say, say uh, it's boss time or whatever the fuck he says. Uh, you know, this could be a situation, like I stated, where they're working something out, and then she's going to make a big comeback because they're going to try to make her happy like they've done with – well, the revival for a little while and other acts uh, as of lately. Uh, Dean Ambrose, too, to an extent, even though I think he's obviously leaving. But just get her back in the big picture, give her a big, strong push, and then go from there. So maybe Sasha Banks will win money in the bank. I don't know. We'll have to wait. This is another thing that I'm sure we're going to find information I, every week. Yeah. I, and what I would say about that is it sets a president when you do stuff like that, though. Because then it just sets a precedent. Anytime someone is unhappy, they can make this move and they'll get a title run. Which go on Twitter. I don't. I, I just don't see Vince doing that. I could see her winning, maybe winning Money in the Bank, but she won't win a title. Especially, yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, if you, you could easily get burnt by that. Say you give her a huge title push, and then the next week she's like, "No, nah, never mind. I don't want to do this anymore." Now your champion has just left well, the company, and she has your title belt. <laughs> Yeah, with the way this new hiatus stuff works. 
Um, well, that that is a good point. Or you know, Vince could be like, "Yeah, so you're gonna win Money in the Bank, and you're gonna you're gonna come out after Becky beats Charlotte in her second match, then pin Becky, and then you got a title, and then just gonna tell her until Monday Night Raw. Oh, you're dropping the title tonight to Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a mind fuck to Sasha? She probably or could. like she, you um, know, or or they just let her hold Money in the Bank forever, and then she loses. Like, oh. you know, that I would see him doing something you, like that. Are you but I would saying? Not. Are you saying that Sasha <laughs> is like Baron Corbin? <laughs> no, I am not saying that. What I am saying is Vince is not. I don't see Vince giving anyone a title push off them uh, bailing on a Wendy Williams show. Possibly, yeah, that's bad. As we've heard boycotting, boycotting the in the locker room, physically at WrestleMania. Um, from the stories we have heard thus far coming out of this, and then leaving to go on hiatus and kind of holding the contract up, I don't, I don't see. You know, the thing about the revival is, yes, they were unhappy, but it sounds like they talked to Vince about it, and this that was a way to try to kind of appease them. Um, I, yeah, yeah I they didn't have them her, on anyways. Yeah, I don't see, I don't see her getting a huge push out of this thing, especially not coming back Money in the Bank and then winning the hey, title. And, I'm just. I'm just trying to be positive. I'm trying to give hope to people out there, Chris. Could you stop, like, destroying that? I'm just saying, if you're a fan, maybe this could happen. Be happy. I realize it's probably not going to happen. I'm just trying to make them happy. God. And now okay, we got to talk, okay. like, we, we, we talk about, like, we got to talk about, a depressing thing about injuries. And, Jesus, you know. Anyways, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but uh, actually, to get in all seriousness, um, Jeff Hardy's injured, uh, which is – not good. He got injured at a house show, apparently. Um, I don't know what that means for the titles. I don't know if it's a bad injury. I actually don't even know where specifically the injury was. I believe it's his leg, but I could be wrong. Um, but he could be out for some time. What's that going to do for the SmackDown tag division that seems to be have completely plucked uh, between their primary talents, one of them being the Hardy Bros, which were the tag team champions? So kind of crazy and then i think the more important thing is that we still have not found out why daniel bryan has been out i'm not trying to speculate but due to his situation and his uh borrowed time if you will with wrestling um i hope that he didn't you know get a concussion obviously that's the number one fear that i, that I have anytime that daniel bryan's going to be out if he's fine from this and just goes the fact that we don't know and no one's heard word about this is a little bit frightening uh, but Chris, what do you have to say about Jeff being out, possibly injured? Uh, who knows? Maybe for, uh, forcing them to do some stuff within the tag division for SmackDown, uh, especially how bare it is, and also about Daniel Bryan. Still, no word on exactly why he's been out, but due to injury and what injury. The Daniel Bryan thing is a little more worrisome just because of his past injuries. I mean, it's always worrisome when Jeff gets hurt, but he's kind of like Superman. He always pops back. So I just assume it'll be something minor and he'll be back in a couple months, um, though we haven't heard that for sure. But Daniel Bryan hasn't been on the road since Mania. So, you know, just based on his history, it's a little scary. Now they could just be leaving him off until this Kevin Owens stuff that we're going to talk about plays itself out and then bringing him back in fresh, which is fine. And just giving Daniel Bryan some time, um, which I have no problem with because we haven't heard anything. And generally when it's an injury, it, it, you know, reports generally come out from it, just like with the Jeff Hardy stuff. So it could just be that they're just like cooling Daniel off to bring him back in for some sort of feud. 
Um, maybe something with Finn Balor, I think, would make, make some sense. But uh, it could also be because they're debuting, you know, Bray Wyatt, and they were doing these vignettes, so they didn't want people to associate Rowan with Bray again immediately, so they're trying to separate that out. There's a lot of reasons why those two probably haven't been around, because Rowan hasn't been – he may be backstage and stuff, but he hasn't been on any of the shows either, from what I recall, since Mania. Do you remember any appearance? I don't think I've seen him at all. So, but no, floating I, I, around I, right I now. Wonder... What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say the the thing about the Jeff Hardy injury that sucks is that the WWE tag team division on SmackDown is really weak. You just have Nakamura and Rusev, Heavy Machinery, and the Good Brothers who are leaving. So, and I guess the new day, but not really. And the New Day's tied into a major storyline, and Kofi's your champion, and Biggie is Combine injured. the tag titles. So it's almost like you, fuck, you're going to end up with Matt and like our truth or something. Almost <laughs> like they're going to throw some random person. And you know what? Maybe oh, you get Matt Jesus. and Chad Gable, which you know will at least be a good tag team. Uh, there could be some fun stuff come out of it, but I, I think this is, you know, at this point, you give it to Shinsuke, and well, I guess the bar is there, so either Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev pick it up, or the bar pick it up, and then you're just building heavy machinery. And I guess you bring up some, some, I guess you bring up like the the Primo and Epico if they're still there, and some of the the <laughs> main event guys to have tag matches against. I think that they're still signed. I, I never heard about them getting released, so I'm pretty sure that they're still signed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to end up doing stuff like that just because you, you don't have a choice. There's only three tag teams because they're not going to really do anything with the Good Brothers. And like I said, no. New Day only really has one member that could be part of a tag team right now because Biggie's hurt for another couple months. So they're probably just going to put these tag titles on ice and just not have tag matches. I, I could almost see them doing that. I, I just think they should combine them. But, I, dude, ever I'm telling you, once it gets to the point we're about to go into Fox-related, um, well, a segment we want to talk about with ratings that kind of deals with the whole Fox thing, they're taking over SmackDown. They're not going to want to share talent. Them asking for Andrade to be on that platform because they're looking for Latino uh, base character for for that demographic, you know, it's going to get to the point where they're going to have to combine stuff. I I think at least I don't know. It's just especially with the women's division and tag team division specifically, they're so thin. I just I can't see them putting on this whole entire two roster thing for for so much longer. Um, do you agree with that, or do you see it differently? You know, to a lot a lot I do to a big extent I do agree. Um, specifically with the tag team division because I don't, I just don't think their tag team division is that strong right now. It's like after they made the shift with the Usos, and you know they they had Aleister Black, they just split up Aleister Black and um, Ricochet, so they lost the tag team. You got the Bar, New Day when they're together, but right now they're not together, so you can't really count them. Jeff's out, so that's one less tag team. They split Rude and Gable, so that's one less tag team. You have the B team, you have Zach and Kurt Hawkins, and I guess the Ascension, and I can't really think of like anything else in that tag division, so it is really AOP just AOP is about because... to come back. Okay, so if AOP is coming back, that'll be a good addition, and I guess 
they split sanity up, but did they split the tag team up of sanity or just the 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 gimmick of sanity? Well, I know that Alexander Wolf, well, I think this is actually a spoiler for everyone who doesn't want to hear a spoiler, just tune out for two seconds. Alexander Wolf showed up on NXT UK. So there's okay. that. Uh, so he, so yeah, I don't so know. That... I have a feeling, and, and I don't know if this is going to be, be true or not. I have a feeling that this is just a, a gut, you know, I could see Vince and them doing this, and maybe it can work, maybe it can't. Nikki and also, and I know a lot of people have speculated on this, but Nikki and, and, and Killian Dane have been off for a while. I'm wondering if the bunny rabbit and that, that Abigail thing is going to end up being them two as characters on Bray's show. Um, maybe like a big old giant killer bunny rabbit or a fucking weird looking dude that's all hairy and bloody with a, 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 a rabbit head. I could see them doing that because they have not been announced for anything. They're together in real life, and, and you know it kind of goes with how they're you know mo- making moves on their roster, if you will, to keep everyone together, which is really weird for Vince to do that, but whatever. But um, yeah, I don't remember what exactly we were talking about. <laughs> I think I just started well, rambling. Yeah, I uh, mean the, the main thing was I was just trying to list off tag teams, and I think they have like under ten split between two brands. And oh God, I would consider how the hell only. How did I go to that place? And I would consider there's only well because I asked about Killian Dane. Because they split Sanity up, and I know they split you know Eric Young away, and they dropped the gimmick, but they haven't really done a good job of saying what they were going to do with those guys. So I just thought maybe you would think that Alexander Wolf could be the Vulture, but you know, oh yes, never mind, never mind, don't worry about it. Yeah. So more of what I was getting at is just like to me, they have three top tier tag teams, and then there's just kind of everyone else right now, and they split up. You know, they're two mid-card tag teams. The Good Brothers are gone. It's just everything's a lot up in the air. So specifically when you talk to the tag team division, and maybe they'll rebuild it by the time they go to Fox, which is in September. But knowing how WWE's focus on the tag team always is really lackluster, I don't see how they do it. I, I actually am almost a little worried that they're going to throw Cedric Alexander and Ricochet into a tag team. I could see it happening. Um who knows? Um, at least it will be fantastic matches, but yeah, it's not good for if you're... Well, Cedric, uh, they've both been doing a lot, but a lot of us hope that Ricochet is going to be in that major title picture. And I'd like to see Cedric, at least in the mid-card uh, title picture, get a push like you know Ali did on SmackDown. We'll have to wait and see. But let's get into this ratings conversation, Chris. Chris, I know that you kind of... You're the one who gave me a lot of the information, but I know that Raw and SmackDown pretty much on a weekly basis... Um, shoot, since going back to Christmas almost, almost every single week has been lower than the year before. We reported that, you know, the year before that it was, you know, lower than that year, and it, this seems to be at a huge increasing rate. Um, this is kind of a conversation specifically for the Fox deal that we keep on talking about with SmackDown. Moving to Friday nights, when SmackDown's ratings live uh, made worse ratings than than uh, what you call it Fox's programming did on the Friday night spots probably gonna be moving to, which were reruns. Uh, this is network television. Uh, it's it's much more about ratings and appeasing someone that paid you X amount of dollars to produce a product, especially when you can end up being on FS1 or a, a multitude of stations that's not on primetime. And the fact that you're gonna be on Friday night is not good. Um, the decrease in ratings that constantly keeps on happening, uh, 
is bad, and especially when it reflects that Raw is having really bad ratings issues, and that's supposed to be the primary show. That's what SmackDown looks at. Now, someone like USA, and we've talked about this in the past too, I'm sure they're not happy. I know that they're probably not happy, but when WWE's product is one of the top ratings thing that you have or stuff related to that, like Ms. and Mrs., I'm sure that they're fine with it where it is as opposed to Fox being extremely disappointed by it very quickly, more so than the USA would happen. So, yes, there is a demographic of people that watch this on Hulu, that will DVR, run SmackDown, but their numbers are dying in the third hour. And a lot of stuff probably has to do with booking. Here's a good example of it, and we'll talk about Rom more so. When you have two awesome matches very much back-to-back that are three ways that are really well done, but the idea is going to be having those two people at the end of the night, and one of them is Baron Corbin, which unfortunately, even if I like him, even if Chris likes him, he's kind of he just sucks heat out. Um, and that's going to be your main event. People are not going to fucking wait around for that. So because of booking decisions, because of just – a lack of interest by fans, even though wrestling is so hot right now, so hot right now, Hansel is so hot right now, um, it's still getting a big kick in the nuts. And, and what is reflecting from Raw to SmackDown and what SmackDown is doing personally by itself on USA is not good to someone like Fox that's going to put it on, like I said, a, a major you know, network station, uh, even on a Friday night. It won't move from Friday, I can tell you that, whether or not it moves channels. So, Chris, give me everything you got on this, and and what do you think about this? What are your fears? Yeah, so just to put, like, I guess some context in this, and this has kind of been week to week, it's been sitting around between 20 and 30% down from the previous year for Raw. So this week, for instance – Raw was down 26% from from year over year, meaning this time last year, Monday Night Raw had 26% more viewers, which currently right now what you were looking at is they're estimating 2,374,000. So add you know 26% to that, and that's what it was last year. Now they are going up against the playoffs, but the playoffs are the same time. Um, SmackDown – did not do very well either. They were down 20%, it looks like, and they did go up against some playoff games. Both the playoff games were higher, as but not only the playoff games, the post-game show after the playoff game <laughs> was higher. Miz um, and Maurice also did a series low after SmackDown, so it's almost like people have tuned out of the USA Network, um, a lot of wrestling fans. And it's always like this around the playoffs, but they're not talking about, you know, it's down 20% from last week. They're saying it's, you know, this time last year, it's been 20%, and this goes back to February, so even before Mania. Um, even with the big superstar shakeup, it was down. So when you really look at that, that's glaring. Um, I think that you made a good point about Raw. You're giving people decent contact, uh, content in the first hour with matches like Baylor ver- or Balor versus Andrade, who both are, um, funny enough, no longer on Raw. But you give someone a good match like that, but then you announce your main event is going to be you know, Baron Corbin. Um, and Baron Corbin is just not a main eventer. He's not someone that people are going to stick around for three hours of the show. They're having major drop-offs in the second hour. And what makes it even more worrisome is this is right after Mania – this is when the crowd has reinvested because they have watched, just watched Mania 
and you're getting the superstar shakeup. So you're getting to see fresh new matches. And usually this is right before mania and right after mania. And then right before Royal rumble or high points in WWE, um, as far as ratings go. So it's just a bad look all around. And if you're Fox, you're looking at this and you're going, well, why the hell did we just pay all this money for this TV contract? Um, because we based this on ratings from last year and, and the previous year. And I don't know how they quickly turn it around. They don't have that huge star. I think, you know, Becky is a good star and she's kind of a fan star, but they don't have like a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk or John Cena when he was on fire or, you know, Stone Cold or The Rock or Hulk Hogan. They don't have that level of person and they have to build that quickly. And I know that's a big thing that me and you talked about, but my main worry is with SmackDown, every time they've ever changed the day that a show's on, they lose viewership for the first six months. So SmackDown is probably going to lose even more viewership when it moves to Fox. And that's if Fox decides to not bury it on some channel that people don't get, which I don't think they will, because I think that would be a bad idea for Fox. But, you know, in six months, if things are going to shit or it looks like the ratings are going to shit, they could easily move this thing over to, you know, like FXX or FS1. Um, there's lots of stuff that they could do that, that could be worrisome. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but that's a very uh, – I think wrestling in general is going to be fine. I think the WWE will be fine. But if you're talking about a bad time to start slipping up a bit – it's within the future. And both me and Chris are very realistic and we're not going to be like, you know, diehard AEW marks without actually having a fucking federations like some people that are out there. But this is something that's coming out that's going to be competition and you don't want to give up your spot on Tuesday on USA where you're at least doing good enough rings for that network. Um, and then the competition that you used to have say TNT or TBS is now hosting their Tuesday night show. You move to Friday and you can't produce the ratings to even compete with them having, you know, their, their reruns on, on a Friday night for that same spot. That's not good. So it is alarming. Uh, we'll be back in the land of uh, WWE uh, when we kind of briefly or try to review uh, Ron SmackDown. Uh, let's move on to AEW specifically. Uh, AEW uh, announced another match for um, Double or Nothing. It's actually going to be Cody going against his brother, Dustin Rhodes. Um, very, very cool video that I would recommend anyone uh, checking out. Uh, just a great promo by Dustin. Uh, just breaking this stuff down. He paints a very... Uh, I mean, he's had different personas throughout the years, so I can't really... I mean, yeah, it's basically gold dust, like I, but, but red instead of gold. And um, I don't know if that's going to contribute to the match or that that was just for the promo itself or he's going to do a half face. Not 100% sure. But I find the feud itself that could possibly come from this match and the match very intriguing. I know that they had a match in WWE and they were trying to push for a build up to WrestleMania, but they, it never happened. Uh, but I like this. I like where they can go with this. I was talking to Chris about it. To me, that they could have a great match right now and maybe from that. Now, WWE would have it where they have a great match and then instantly, you know, Dustin turns and beats the crap out of them and they keep on the feud. I would actually say 
Great match. Both of them embrace. They start a tag team, maybe take on some tag teams. Maybe they hold the belts for a little while. Maybe they go against some of the other brothers, the Lucha Brothers, you know, whatever you want in the story to build it up. Um, and uh, at that, then at some point, they lose it. You do this throughout like maybe a year, depending on how, how long Dustin wants to be there, obviously. Uh, they have a tag team. They get the titles. They lose the titles. Then one decides to go heel, and then you make it a blood feud leading up to, I guess, next year's Double or Nothing or whatever, uh, where it started. Um, now, this might be a one-off. I'm just speculating and, and booking something a year in advance. But I think they can do a lot of cool things regardless. And you have a situation where both of them are good at being faces and both of them are good at being heels, so you don't really have to worry about where you want to go as of yet. You can figure that out as it goes on from what the audience is uh, bouncing off of who they like more and, and such. So uh, I, either way, I think this is going to be a fun match. I don't expect it to be like a fucking match of the year contender. But it's going to be a fun match, and it could end up having a fun feud, and I'm glad they're doing this. This is actually a pretty big profile match. And I like seeing Dustin getting some spotlight like this. I think he fucking deserves it. Um, not, not Well, he earned it, but I think he deserves it too. Let's just put it that way. Chris, do you think he earned it, or did he deserve it? Or did he both? Uh, I, you know, a little bit of both. I, I, you know, I, he definitely deserved it because they got screwed out of this in WWE because they built an entire feud with Dusty. <laughs> This is one thing that I talked about as soon as I saw these damn promos is that WWE had this, could have easily made this a big deal, and they had Dusty to build off of it with too, to build up a, a, a more of a blood feud between these two brothers leading into WrestleMania, and they just completely fucking forgot about it. Uh, so it's good to finally see that this match comes to fruition, especially if you're fans of Dustin Rhodes or Cody Rhodes. I'm a little surprised they didn't go the easy route, which is bring them in as a tag team right away, um, which is kind of how people have, would have booked this thing in the past. You bring them in as a tag team, they win a little bit, and then they break up, and then you have the feud. I kind of like that it's just right off the bat. Um, it seems a little different, and I like the fact that you know you can you can have a couple matches off this if you want to, depending on how this match goes, or you can just do what you said and. and have them become a tag team right after you have two other tag teams that are brothers. You can do a brother battle. Um, you know, the, the Lucha brothers, you have the young bucks and you have uh, Dustin and Cody, which could be really, really fun. It gives Cody something to do while you figure out your main title picture. Uh, it builds up to a, another match with gold, gold dust and Cody for when they are not cold dust, but Dustin and Cody, when they eventually break up and uh, it, to me, gives you an extra tag team in there that helps elevate the tag division that they want to uh, book heavily towards. They want to have a really good tag division. That's something they've said all along. Um, and considering that this is a pay-per-view and the TV stuff's not here yet, I'm assuming that they'll have you know, a two- or three-month period, and then they'll have another pay-per-view. So depending on how they build that stuff up, right now it's all through vignettes and stuff. They could even go the route of this is a one-off match. We're going to have you know, a rubber match afterwards, and then they're going to be a tag team. And then the first night when they actually televise this shit, that's when you get the first introduction of the tag team, right? And then you have like your tag team tournament or whatever they're going to do to set that up. There's a lot of different ways they can go about it, and they're all entertaining. The one thing I will say about Dustin Rhodes is I completely forgot how fucking good of a promo he is. If you go back and you look at those old school Gold Dust vignettes or even the ones that he hit, when they almost they gave Gold Dust a little bit of a heel push 
a while back and kind of gave him some more of those old school vignettes, the Hollywood vignettes. And he's so good. And if you haven't seen this promo yet, or if you're listening to this and you haven't seen this promo yet, I should say definitely go check it out. Um, it has that kind of feel to it. And, and Dustin Rhodes has done a really good job of building this match off just a, you know, a vignette basically, which he's always been good at. It's just one of those things that I watched so much damn wrestling that I forgot how good of a promo he actually was. What was um what was Goldust uh the Goldust character from TNA that he was? What was that one called? I don't remember the one in TNA. I remember Seven in WCW. Oh God, that was so weird and creepy. Where he fucking just went <laughs> off one night. Yeah, he's just peeking at people's it's like kids, black children's rain windows or something like that. Yeah, that was that, that was that, that was weird. That sounds right. But he'll he'll come up with some cool moniker, and if not, we'll have Dustin Rhodes and friggin' great wrestler. Uh, he just got knee surgery, so that's all. That's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, obviously. But I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also, just to mention that uh, Leva Bates, uh, Blue Pants, which I know because I've been watching old NXT. I don't know who the heck she was, but uh, she's just got signed. She's, she has a new gimmick called the Librarian for AEW. And I saw that – I only bring this up because we live in Georgia, uh, Southern Honor Wrestling, which DDP and Jake Snake Roberts both have um, a part in. Uh, I've gone to one of their shows before, but I, I saw that one of their wrestlers, local uh, wrestler Sunny Days, was at the Battle Royal. So I thought that was pretty cool because I saw him wrestle at their last show. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyways, let's move on and talk about uh, the uh, Crockett Cups. Now, you know, both me and Chris don't know – I will just say, I don't know quite a few of the wrestlers on here, but um, there are some cool things about this that I want to discuss with you, Chris. So we'll, we'll go with, we'll go with tag teams. I'll list all the tag teams, but I'm specifically talking about the last one. So we got the war Kings, Crimson and Jackson Dane. Uh, I believe that's the, the group that animal um, manages. I think one of them's his son. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know that he manages one team, and they look very much Road Warriors esque. Uh, versus whoever wins this wild card battle royal, which is, I believe, I think there's eight teams. They're all going to be in a battle royal. The winner will go against uh, them, and then Flip Gordon and Bandito will be going against Guerrero Maya Jr. and Stutka Jr. Flip Gordon and Bandito. That should be a damn good tag team. Um, and then Villain Enterprises, which is Brody King and PCO, are going against Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima. Um, just saw Satoshi Kojima recently. He's a badass wrestler. Didn't really know that much about him. Oh, no, no, never mind. I'm getting it mixed up with someone else. I know who Kojima is. Looking at, I am not looking at Wikipedia right now, people, while I'm reading all this stuff out. Um, and then the last one, probably the one that's the biggest one, the Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark Briscoe, will be going against the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Uh, what do you think about some of these names, and specifically that match itself? And then from this, you know, you don't have to give me a breakdown, but who do you think might win the Crockett Cup? And are you happy they're bringing – I don't know if they're bringing this back, but they're definitely publicizing the Crockett Cup more, and they got uh, Jim Cornette doing, providing some commentary. Uh, well, like, you know, right off the bat, there's some great wrestlers here. Flip Gordon, Bandito, obviously, um, Satoshi uh, Kojima. I I'm been I've became a really big fan of PCO, specifically his weird ass promos he's cutting specifically on Twitter. Last week there was one where uh 
his manager was running him over with a car and just parked the car on top of him, which was pretty good. Um, and I, you know, you got the Briscoe brothers here, uh, Willie Mack, Colt Cabana. I mean, they got like a pretty stacked card. Um, I think the main events, the one to look probably the most forward to Aldis and scroll. I would think, you know, Aldis will hold the title here since he did just lose it to Cody, not that long ago at all, all in. And he just recently won it back. So, I would assume that he's going to hold this thing for a while. Um, the Willie Mack versus Colt Cabana match, I think it'll be be a lot of fun. But as far as who's going to win the Crockett Cup, um, I'm probably going to go with the War Kings just because they're the NWO, the NWA team here, if I'm not mistaken. The most NWA team. Uh, Chris yeah. and I know specifically from his time in TNA. Um, he had a long undefeated streak there, and I always thought he was a pretty decent wrestler. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know too much about his partner. But I'm just assuming because they're, you know, they're they're the representatives of the NWA in this. I would think you're doing your first Crockett Cup. It's going to be their event. I would assume that you have a Crockett Cup tag team win. If not, I would say the Villain Enterprise with a real fun fan win. Um, so those would probably be, if I had to pick two of these tag teams, those would be at least the two I would try to get into the finals. What do you think specifically about the Briscoes versus the Rock and Roll Express? I'm not 100% sure that I haven't seen this match before. <laughs> Just because it sounds like it's something I would have seen before. But, you know, the Rock and Roll Express, they always they always put on an entertaining match. Even at their age, it'll still be fun. Like, I watched them wrestle the Hardys. I think I've watch them go against the Chop and Roll Express with Tom Lawler and Brian Alvarez. It seems like that they still put on fun matches. It'll be a fun thing for the crowd. Um, and, I, you know, with that match, obviously, uh, you would just assume that the Briscoes are going to win that match unless they find some way to get themselves disqualified, which could be a fun thing, you know, if they get disqualified. And then the next round, you get the Villain Enterprise versus Rock and Roll Express, and they get disqualified. And then you end up with like a main event where you have the Rock and Roll Express versus whoever's going going to win. It just depends on how they're going to book this. If they're going to book it super seriously, or if they're going to try to do something fun. Obviously, the Rock and Roll Express being here is a cool cool thing since they're they so heavily associated with NWA tag tag, tag titles. And just tag titles all across the world, really, um, when you think about them. So I thought that was kind of just a neat added touch. Yeah, I got to admit, man, I'm really happy with what Billy Cor- Corbin's doing with the NWA, trying to cross-promote the belt itself and, and show up a lot of these other promotions, working with Ring of Honor for a lot of the talent on this. I'm not 100% sure who's going to win between Marty and uh, Nick. It depends, honestly. If, if Marty loses this match because – if they have that relationship and they want to use Marty and then he just shows up on, on uh, ring of honor with the belt or whatever, um, I'm sure that he'd be able to work that out. I don't know. Maybe not, but if Marty loses this, this makes me think even more so that he's eventually going to jump to AEW. Um, I think all of us are expecting that anyways, but uh, I don't think he's going to win this. I think Nick Eldis is going to hold on to it. I'd love to see Marty with the NWA uh, heavy world or world's heavyweight champion. I think that would be awesome. But you know, if you watch, um, which I don't watch every single one of them, but uh, their their series, um, or hundred pounds of gold. Nick Aldis is really good for this role right now, so I don't know exactly how they're going to do that. But 
Cole Cabana, I could see taking that championship from Willie Mack. It's another situation where he's has a lot of cross, you know, brand stuff with NWA and uh, Willie's been doing stuff in all different places. So possibly, probably not though. I, I think it's more a chance that Marty might be able to pick, uh, uh, Nick Aldis. Um, and then the tag stuff, it's, it, I don't know. I could buy this this Saturday. I'm thinking about it, but at the same time, I got to move all Saturday, so I don't know. I'll, I'll probably eventually see this uh, for sure, but I think it, the Briscoes against the Rock and Roll Express is interesting. And I love what you're saying about PCO because he's definitely grown on me a lot. He's like a PG version of Abdul the Butcher. Like, he's ridiculous. Him and his manager's relationship is very much like Gary Hart and Abdullah, but he's not – like, he can get hurt and stuff like that, but it's not as believable. He's more like – just ridiculous 90s WWF or WCW gimmick, but somehow it just works. He really is like Frankenstein, but I do like a lot of the stuff that I see online from him on social media. Um, either way, should be a lot of fun. And, of course, Jim Cornette is going to be uh, – that's a horrible Jim Cornette. I think he punched me in the face. Um, he's going to be on there, so that should be pretty cool as well. Let's move on to another uh, – well, a set of pay-per-views that we got at least a couple matches for – uh, we got uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, War of the Worlds. And uh, so far for the matches, we have in Buffalo, New York, we have the Girls of Destiny versus and Jay Lethal um, for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. That I could definitely see those two winning <laughs> because, you know, then it gets off the Girls of Destiny and the way they've been treating uh, the titles lately. Uh, being mad about the outcome of what happened uh, transpired with Enzo and Cass, which we didn't even think about talking about, but uh, apparently they might not even be coming to Ring of Honor because of the backlash, which at this point, if you, you might as well fucking get them in there. Um, but yeah, could see that changing. Villains Enterprise, who we've just talked about, PCO and uh, Brody King are going to be going against Jar. Ja- wait, just the two of them. Okay, wow. Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Match. They're going to be going against Jeff Cobb, Yuji Nagata, and Kojima. Oh, no, I'm such an idiot. It's Marty with PCO and Brody King. Sorry, everyone. And we got Bandito versus Flip Gordon, Roosh versus Silas Young, Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams versus Evil Sonata. That should be a damn good match. Shane Taylor versus Hukulio, which, yeah, obviously I don't know who that is. Uh, PJ Black versus Alex Coppin. Uh, and um, Vinny Marcellagali. Oh, man, I don't know either of these. All right, I'll just screw that match. Maybe maybe Chris can help me out a little bit. Um, I, I knew the top of the damn card, but just uh, from those matches, and if you want to break down who, what you think is going to happen with any of them, Buffalo, New York, what do you think about that? And then we'll talk about Toronto's card. Um. So right off the top, I mean, I think the top of this card is really fun. It does remind me a lot of New Japan booking, being that you're going to have basically, you know, a tag match and then a triple threat match as basically what's being booked as the main event so far. Um, Bandino versus Flip Goring should be a really good match. We've seen that a bunch, so it's not something I would go out of my way to see, but it, it will be a good match, so if you're up in the Buffalo area and you're going to this, you'll have that to look forward to as well. Um, the bottom of this card outside of Alex Coughlin and, and, I, Black, and I used to live there. Uh, I just want to say, and I used to live there and I know there's <laughs> not a lot. So at least you guys will have that at some point. Sorry about that. Um, 
but outside of that, I know that I know that uh, Vinny Marsigli, Mar, I can't even pronounce his last name either. I, I think he he does like a horror gimmick, but outside of that, I don't really know the bottom of this card. So <laughs> I don't want to speak on that. But the top of it is really strong with the tag match, the triple threat, the triple threat tag match, and then Bandito versus Flip Gordon and Roosh uh, versus Silas Young. Those are all good matches, and then the uh, the tag match with Evil and Sonata. I think will also be really good. So it's it's going to be a fun show. It isn't as strong as what they've done in past years. So I don't I don't know. That's nothing to really. That's not saying that there's any kind of rift between New Japan and Ring of Honor. It's just if you compare this to kind of previous years where you had like Cody Rhodes and and obviously Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks doing these, they, they, you had a little bit more name value than what we currently have here. Um, but I could also see Gorilla's of Destiny, like you said, dropping these tag titles. I don't, I don't know what the interest is in them holding it, but right now, it wouldn't hurt them to hold it. Jay Lethal and and Gresham, I don't think, are going to stick around as a tag team. So I would, I would think they're going to be holding this a little bit longer until they get through these series of uh, War of the Worlds tour. Which right now, to be fair, they are on the road to uh, Dantaku in Japan. So that probably is playing into a bit as well. And then, um, so in Toronto, it's going to be Matt Taven versus PCO for the Ring of Honor World uh, Championship. I wonder if he's actually going to lose it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't make Matt lose that quickly. But I don't know. PCO is like very popular. Jay Lethal versus Kojima. Brody King versus Shane Taylor versus Jeff Cobb versus Hiroki Goto in a fucking awesome. Like tank match, basically. Like, damn, that's gonna be fun. Yuji <laughs> Nagata versus this is this next one's awesome too. Like the old men beating the crap out of each other. Yuji Nagata versus Silas Young. By the way, Silas Young, I'm pretty sure he's in his thirties, but he looks like he's like fifty six and he's been smoking like Marlboros all of his life. He just he has that look. <laughs> uh, it's very similar to like how John, Greg the Hammer Valentine looked like he was in his late forties, early fifties. I think through his twenties and onward. Very nice guy, but he just has a grizzled old guy look. Very much similar to Silas. Mark Askin and Tracy Williams versus the Briscoes. They're, all those matches are pretty good. Uh, do you think that PCO has a chance of winning the Ring of Honor World Championship this soon into Matt Taven's run? And what do you think about some of those other matches like Lethal versus Kojima? I, You know, I don't think that, they're, that PCO is going to pick up the title here, but I think it'll be a really fun match, and they'll figure a way to make it believable with Taven winning over the monster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I'd look forward to seeing that match. I think it'll be pretty cool. Uh, lethal versus Kojima, I think will be a barn burner. And I think lethal needs to win here just to get some, you know, he did, he, he had the draw with Taven and then he lost. So I'd assume that he's going to start picking up some wins. Um, Bertie King versus Shane Taylor versus Jeff Cobb versus Goto. That will just be a straight, everyone's going to beat each other's ass match. <laughs> A tank match, like you said, so that'll be pretty fun. Um, yeah, I actually like this card better than the Buffalo card, but there's a lot of fun stuff on the Buffalo card too because I really like the uh, the idea of the villain Enterprises versus Nagata, Kojima, and Cobb um, for that Ring of Honor six-man tag championship. But yeah, just the Toronto card to me, if I was going to pay for one of these to watch, that would that it, more than likely it would be the Toronto card. Oh, and also in New Japan news, two things that will kind of run by. Kota Ibushi uh, basically stated that 
he, he stated it as like a lifetime contract, but he plans on being with New Japan until he's done with wrestling. That's once he wants this now to be the final place. That's why he did some jumping beforehand. This is where he wants to settle down. Um, and also, you were kind of telling me there's another New Japan event coming up, and it's like a three uh, versus three um, tournament, I believe. And you said it was something significant with an anniversary for Jushin Thunder Liger. Can you elaborate on that? And what do you think about Kodobushi's statements? Oh, wow. Um, so the big thing with that was just recently we had it was um it's the road to Dantaku and it was an event they just had i think it was yesterday that it finished and um basically it was Jushin Thunder Liger's 30th anniversary so that was the the big big thing so this Dantaku is a, you know a, just one of their pay-per-views basically but the lead up you know with all of these matches they try to get as many guys on the card to promote the shows as possible cuz I mean, they treat these almost like house shows in a bit, uh, or at least is the way I see them. And um, so you get a lot of three-way matches. So they did a lot. They definitely talked about um, Justin Liger, but this is his 30-year anniversary match. So from his debut till April 24th, um, which this happened this morning at 5 a.m. So I haven't I haven't watched this yet, but uh, yeah. So the other the outside of watching, you know, the stuff they did around Liger's match. Um, just kind of crazy to think about. We've been talking about Liger a lot. Obviously, this is his last year from what he said, which he kind of said it was his last year last year, but <laughs> we don't really need to uh, get too much into detail, but he loses. Um, I think Undertaker's retired five times now. Yeah, so it was uh, Minoru Suzuki, uh, Kanemaru, and El Desperado. They beat Justin Thunder Liger. Ryusuke uh, Taguchi and Tiger Mask, but it, it was a pretty fun, fun ma- uh, match. Like uh, there was a spot where Kanemaru sprayed Tiger Mask with whiskey and uh, tried to pull his mask off and then rolled him up for the win, and that was kind of the finish. So there was a lot of uh, fun Liger matches. Um, Suzuki, I, I think what they're trying to do is build to Suzuki and Liger for his final match because Suzuki just at the end of this match beat the living shit out of Liger with a chair. So I, I'm assuming that they're building something like that. And uh, basically the young lions came and uh, chased him off. And then Suzuki came back and, and him and Liger had a stare down with two chairs and they threw the chairs down, started fighting like men and then they got broke apart. And that was kind of the buildup, but basically the buildup seems like it's going to be, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Manure Suzuki in the near future in a, a one versus one match, which will be pretty damn fun. But uh, just that whole segment around the match and just kind of some of the commentary around it was really, really well done. I haven't had time to go back and watch all of the other stuff on the card. Um, there was a, a NATO Evil in Bushi versus uh, Kota, Ishii, and Yo which is probably a really damn good match. And there was just, there was a bunch of, like I said, it was a lot of these tag team and three-way matches, which they tend to do on these kind of shows. But I mean, the big thing is, you know, just noting that it's Justin Thunderliger and he's been wrestling as of today, 30 years. And this is his last year. So it's kind of fucking crazy to think about. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Big fan of Jushin Thunderliger and, Maybe, maybe is that is. Do you think that's hinting uh, possibly at a match with him and Suzuki in the future? And uh, also, what did you think about uh, what Kota Ibushi said? 
Yeah, for as far as what Kota Ibushi said, I I know for a fact that he signed a three-year contract, so I don't know if that means that he thinks he's going to be done in three years or if he was just playing like, I'm never leaving New Japan even after this contract. Um, he kind of hinted towards that when he signed the contract, that this would be his last contract. So the way he said it didn't really surprise me, but it, it's, you know, it seems like he keeps poking poking that you know poking the bear every time they get asked that um which i mean the reason he's getting asked this is that you know the documentary with kenny omega just came out basically the majority of that being related to the golden lovers and everyone wanting to know if they're going to get the golden lovers back together or figure out a way to have omega in abushi which i think they will eventually they'll figure out a way for that co-braining to work in a way that makes sense <laughs> but I, you know, that seems like every time that question gets brought up, it's it's related to that. Will he ever end up in AEW? Which, like he said, I don't I don't think he thinks he needs to for them to make that match happen. Which I, in all honesty, I I think they'll figure out a way to work that out without him having to move to America. Um, but yeah, so that that was fun. And then yeah, definitely they are setting. It seems like they are based on the finish of that match. It, it did seem like they were setting up Suzuki versus uh, Jason Thunderliger in the very near future, which they've been building up for a while, but it'll be really, really fun to watch those two go at it. I wish uh, I'd love to see him and Muda too, since they kind of set that up at the battle Royal. but him and Minoru Suzuki, he's such a fucking badass. He's so damn intimidating. Like there's certain wrestlers in the past, Austin's a good example. Benoit's a good example that looks so damn intimidating. Abdullah, you know, Minoru Suzuki's definitely got that, that evilness to him. Uh, but I don't know. Either way, uh, I guess we should leave the realm of uh, – let, let's talk about Raw, basically, and get into some of this, some of this good stuff and uh, some of this craziness, you know, within the whole entire thing, if you will. Um God, I'm thinking about the Golden Lovers. By the way, Chris, we never really got a chance to talk about it. I really like that documentary that they did with him and Kenny Omega. Uh, it was pretty good, and uh, you know they kind of represent it, and it's it's a it is a pretty cool love story within professional wrestling. So I hope we do get to see uh, you know something happen, so we get more of that interaction, that tag team in the future. Um, kind of just popped in my head. Did you get a chance to see it? I did. I thought it was pretty well done overall. Um, I would say there's one. I don't feel like the story is done, and two, it was a little short. Yeah. But if you're if you're a yeah. fan of the Golden Lovers, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, it's good. It's a nice little love story they did within wrestling, and they kind of just kind of go into it vague and uh, just just really good, especially you know to re- represent the LGBT community in, in some way. Um, I just I, I enjoyed it. It was a good documentary. Anyways, let's get to Raw. All right, so I don't understand this. Uh, at the top of the show, they announced two triple threat matches to find a new number one contender for Seth Rollins' Universal Championship at Money in the Bank. And after they told us that, immediately afterwards, they set up a 20-minute interruption-style promo explaining this. Was that a fuck-up within production, or did they mean to do that? Uh, Chris, because we would all we'd find out basically it was gonna be Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and the Miz, and then AJ Styles, Ray, and Samoa Joe. The winners of those matches would go against each other at the end of the night, which we kind of talked about earlier, and that person would be going against Seth Rollins. Why did they tell us this immediately and then break it down in a fucking almost thirty-minute segment that got boring as hell very quickly off the bat? 
my guess is they kiboshed a match and just rolled people out for a promo. But this definitely did feel like a production fuck up, and it reminded me of late 90s WCW, Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff era, where they would announce shit like that. And then they would come out to the ring and then promo to set up the match. And you're like, well, the match has already been announced. Why are you promoing to set up the match? <laughs> Which is how it felt, 100%. So, no, you're not crazy. It felt super fucked up and out of place. And I don't know if it was a time filler or whatever they originally had planned with the shit and they were writing on the fly, which is my guess. But it definitely did have Bischoff, Vince Russo, 1999 stank all over it. I agree. Well, so after we get the setup, you know, and obviously I think AJ was the last person now to get the biggest pop. We'll go into how I feel about them doing this match so soon later when we talk about uh, the, the the last match itself. But um, triple first triple threat match was probably, I think, the best match of the night. Both triple threat matches were actually pretty good. Um, but it was AJ, Ray, and Samoa Joe, so what do you expect with these three guys in the ring? Uh, it kind of ended with Styles uh, powerbomb Mysterio onto Joe, hit a Styles clash on the Mysterio onto Joe, and then pin Joe to win the match. Um, I thought it was a very cool ending, a little bit different. I think I would have gone for Ray because I think he got more damage and all that, but whatever. That's just me kind of splitting hairs at that point. But uh, a lot of cool setups that they did. Both or All three guys are phenomenal in the ring, obviously. Um, I didn't see Samoa Joe winning because of the U.S. title. And I I felt it would probably make I don't know actually between the two of them they could go either way uh, as far as making you know a big money match because Ray's very popular as well. But um, did you think AJ was going to win? And what do you think of the match overall? Yeah, I thought AJ was going to win because as soon as he came over, it seemed like WWE was promoting dream matches quite a bit with Ray versus or, or not Ray but um, AJ versus Seth Rollins, which I think we've only gotten one time. Um, even when they were in the indies together. But, uh, yeah, I, I just assumed that he was going to win, mostly because they haven't done anything with Ray. You know, they had Joe, which he was injured, and Joe beat him at the pay-per-view in 60 seconds. And then he got his ass kicked by Lars Sullivan, and he just doesn't have any steam rolling into it, so I didn't see them giving him a win there. But the match itself was pretty damn fun. I, I liked all those spots. Uh, the finish spot was really creative by AJ and, and Gang. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was probably my favorite match of the night as well, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it, w- it was some good stuff, man. I mean, th- all three of those guys. I want to see AJ in a, in a Ray Mysterio-style feud uh, soon in the future. Um, and we'll kind of roll over this. Uh, then we had – I I mean, I guess we need to talk about this because this doesn't make sense based on what happened on SmackDown as well. Because Naomi defeated Billy Kay – in a very short amount of time with a roll-up. Now, I'm assuming that maybe Naomi's going to go back with Carmella and they'll just randomly fucking throw her on Raw. I don't know. Um, and they'll set up a tag team or give her someone else for a tag team partner and, you know, give her a chance at the belt. I don't know why you waste, with all the females on the roster, why you would take one of the tag champions and have her lose. And then, you know, what, what, what transpires, what's happened in the past, They've been losing constantly, you know, Chris. There seems to be a reason why Sasha was obsessed that they were or upset that they were taking away the titles. And uh, in the situation of I hate uh, to say I told you so, I think that you were right because you told me at the fucking beginning they weren't going to take the damn tag team titles seriously. And I was like, no, 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 no. They gave me the Bailey and Sasha. 
and they fucked them over and now have given it to Iconics and made them lose every friggin' match. What is going on? What is going on with the television? You want the actual answer, Dane? They ran out of first to give women except for the Mania match, so they did the tag thing, and now they're going to go on continuing not to give a shit about the women's tag team. <laughs> I'm not just being honest. They have a hard enough time with the men's tag team. It's the same thing from earlier. This was just, we need a time filler match. They gave Naomi a win. It's a feel-good win. Until they give her a partner, I'm still continuing to say they, they don't actually care about those belts. <laughs> I'm, they're probably not going to care about it again until they get the Sky Pirates 2.0 off the ground. And then, you know, you'll get that match. But And then they'll probably hold the titles for a while. But outside of that, I just don't see them doing a whole lot with the Iconics other than them losing one-off matches. Yeah, you're right. It sucks. Um, triple threat match. We got Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and The Miz. All three of these guys, I think we've criticized their in-ring ability from time to time, depending on the person. But this is actually a pretty good, solid match, especially for a three-way. Not as good as the other one, obviously, but still fun. It ended with McIntyre who hit a Claymore kick to Miz. Corbin tossed McIntyre out of the ring and stole the pin to win the match and move on to face AJ Styles. Good on Corbin for being that heel because he's the first one who screwed over McIntyre and the whole thing, and then that became a running uh, thing throughout the match. He's good at being a heel. But, like I said, bad on them for having Corbin win in the sense of no one's going to stick around to watch AJ go against fucking Baron Corbin. Uh, They'll find out what happens on the internet the next day sort of thing. But uh, either way, like I said, decent match. I mean, Miz has obviously still got stuff with Shane going on, although Shane's now involved in Elias and Roman. I don't know exactly what's going on there. Drew could have gone against him if AJ was going to lose anyways. I think that would be a little more intrigue. Either, even though it's babyface and babyface, either the Miz or Drew McIntyre, I think would have been a better choice, Chris. Uh, What do you think about that? I I think they were protecting Drew in this match. I, they don't want to pull the trigger on him being at the very top against Seth right away. And they obviously want to do the AJ versus Seth thing. And uh, instead of doing what I would have done, which is put Miz in this match and have Shane screw him over, because Shane technically is part of – he's already been on Raw since the shakeup. So you could have just did that if you're going to continue their feud anyways. Uh, and then at least you would have been building a match I think more people would have cared about, which would have been AJ versus Miz instead of – you know, AJ versus Corbin. Um, this is where they kind of fuck themselves with these three-way rules where there's no disqualification because <laughs> this would have been a good match for, you know, like a, a, a double disqualification or someone getting injured or any anything they could have got there. Got, I don't know, some other way. But, I mean, obviously I, I, my pick would have been the Miz just because I think it would have helped the uh, main event stature. It, you know, it's not that Baron Corbin is bad at the heel he is portraying. And, like, it's it's just that no one fucking cares about him anymore. <laughs> and putting him in the main event is just tanking the main event each week. So hopefully when they get past this and it's focused more around um, Styles and, and Rollins, that'll go away a bit. But I, I don't know, man. They need to get him back to the mid card or at least set up something with him and McIntyre and have McIntyre kill this guy and have him go away for a little bit, because I think the fans are just tired of seeing him and, and people are all honestly still, I, I would assume a little sour about the Kurt Angle stuff. So but yeah, he's not helping anything by being in the main event. 
and rightfully so. I mean, it is kind of aggravating. He's definitely getting what uh, wrestling fans call go-away heat. And like you said, if he's in the mid-card or if he's not going to be in the main event of your thing, he's uh, he's a very efficient villain, basically. But if you're setting him up to be against the main event players or put in the main event or for the championship belt, yeah, the, the audience is going to respond to that the way they respond. But, of course, uh, the king will listen to whoever he wants to. Triple H thinks he's the king. It's kind of hard to update Vince's voice now that he sounds, you know, just like, like Clint Eastwood almost. But um, let's go on. Uh, three questions, Chris. Um, just take your time with answering them. Um, one, are you getting sick of Sami Zayn, or do you like this style of promo that he's doing, just poking fun at the audience, showing him on vacation, and then telling him to go to hell? Uh, Cesaro made a jump to Raw. It looks like the bar might be uh, broken up, or I don't know exactly. That's another person we haven't heard a lot about that has some some uh, back issues and neck issues, which is Sheamus. But Cesaro's now going to be on Raw. Uh, he went against Cedric Alexander in his first match and beat him. Do you think it was not smart for them to have Alexander lose, or as long as it's a Cesaro, it's not that big of a deal? And what did you think about the stare-off? between a money mar- uh, money match that a lot of fans have wanted between the Usos and a Revival, having their little uh, confrontation in the back. Should be fun, and you don't really need titles at all right now to actually have a big feud, even though Raw books terribly when it comes to tag teams. So Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Cedric Alexander, and the Usos and the Revival having a nice little stare down. What do you think? Well, right off the bat, I, I'm really enjoying what Sami Zayn's doing right now. I think he's, you know, they ask, they're asking, they asked him to come back as a heel, and so far, I think he's nailed everything they've asked him to do. It's been uh, obviously in Montreal. I thought the promo he cut last week was a little better than this one, but he's just continuing the character. What I will say is, he needs to be in some matches and maybe get some bullshit wins or something. Um, him just cutting promos each week, it'll, it will get old. So I do want to see him back in action. But outside of that, I thought the promo itself is really good. And he's really – his overly obnoxious version of his good guy theme music and dance to the ring and everything has been fucking hilarious to watch. So I've really been enjoying that. Um, Cedric Alexander versus Cesaro. I kind of wish Alexander would have got a win in his first match back. But um, – This is another one that kind of bothers me because I think it was Michael Cole in the middle of it said that this kind of seemed to spell the end of the bar as a tag team, which right now they can't afford to lose a tag team. This is kind of what we were talking about earlier. But if if the idea is that Cesaro is going to become a singles competitor, he also needs a win here. And and like I said, I think that you do end up seeing Alexander in a tag team with Ricochet or something because I don't know that they're ready to just strap the Jets on Ricochet yet. So we'll we'll see what happens from that. He I know he's going to have probably a little feud with Bobby Roode based on how they they booked that match. But uh, after that, I don't know. That's Robert Roode. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, uh, Robert Roode. I mean, are we just going to get full to Rick Roode and he's going to do a Rick Roode impersonation? Is that what we're trying? Is that what we're uh, trying to get? He's got the mustache. Uh, Changed his name to Robert. Um, if he shows up in fucking Airbrush next week. I'm going to be like Oh god <laughs> um, How about the uh, the Usos and the Revival I know I, I uh, 
interrupted you, but uh, are you looking forward to that, or do you think I, – all right, I'll put it this way, and we'll talk more about it later on with my example. I feel like you don't have to go to Revival Newsos right the fuck away, just like you don't have to go to AJ and Seth right the fuck away. Those seems like feuds that get built up to SummerSlam, not possibly Money in the Bank or something in recent – you know, uh, in the in the in the timeline sooner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but uh, well, they don't have much going with the tag division right now. They got to do something, and the no, Usos are yeah. your, the Usos are your one solid ticket in WWE as far as a tag team goes. The Usos, are, the and no Usos one gives a shit like about. Have, no one gives a shit about the actual tag team champions. That's the funny thing. Is they're, they're like, oh, <laughs> Usos revival. Throw AOP yeah. in there in the Viking experience. Yeah. Um, I, I have no problem with this because you need the Usos to get a win um, against a team and to build them up to the title. And I'm assuming, like I said, when we talked about this last week, that, that they're going to end up winning the titles and then you're going to see them against the Viking experience slash Viking Raiders going against the Usos, which to me is probably like your money match right now until Authors of Pain come back. And and then this tag division looks a little better, but the SmackDown one looks really rough right now. Yeah, it really, really does. All right, well, speaking about that tag division, we had now renamed the Viking Raiders. Okay, I'll fucking take it, WWE. Vince, I'll fucking take it. You could have used a multitude of different things and not just had so goddamn on the nose with Viking, but whatever. I'll take the Viking Raiders. Anyways, them versus Lucha House Party, and they basically just destroyed them, and that was it. Uh, you know, it, cool. I'm kind of concerned. Well, I mean, I guess at this point you kind of need heels, but I think the I, I think War Machine is better off as a babyface team that's just kind of like roll, you know, right on the edge. Uh, it seems like they're kind of pushing more as heel. I wonder if they're still going to have unfortunate more interaction with Lucha House Party. Not because I don't love all those guys' single competitors, but when they're compiled in one thing, I just think, okay, they're going to lose uh, with the Lucha House Party. But uh, either way, Chris, are you happy about the new name, and what do you think about them destroying the Lucha House Party? Uh, I have no problem with it. They're using Lucha House Party as an enhancement talent. I would assume next week the B team gets the same treatment. And uh, I like the I like the new name better than the old name. It's still not as good as fucking War Machine, but uh, whatever. <laughs> or War Raiders. But at least it's a combination of the two, and it's not as bad as the Viking experience, which sounds like some kind of weird fucking band <laughs> to play Celtic instruments or some shit. I don't know. It's just a like Celtic jam band. God, that would be terrible. It's just that shit was so bad. Um, sounds like I'll take it. Sounds like what you would call like the you fans said, of it. widespread panic. <laughs> like I said, I I will take anything. At least now they can, if they do turn <laughs> face, they can just call their fans the Viking Experience, which they may get a cheap pop for. So, <laughs> well, their their finisher <laughs> is now called the Viking Experience. That's what they called it. So whatever, yeah, if he fucking still wants to have that stupid name in there, whatever, as long as – I would rather the Raiders, honestly. I don't give a shit about the football team with the same name. I would rather that, but I'll take the fucking Viking Raiders over the Viking experience. Uh, yeah. yeah. So did so, so did they change his name from Ivir, or Ivir to Ivar, or did I just fucking – I don't know. Last week. Okay, so it almost seemed like they, they did two name changes. 
They did change their finisher too, which I'm not a huge fan of the new finisher as much as the one they were using in NXT. So whatever. Yeah. All right, Becky Lynch uh, defeated Alicia Fox. I don't think anyone saw this coming a mile away, right? Sorry, Alicia. I know I think you're like a three-time past women's champion. But uh, anyways, before the match, Lynch and Lacey Evans cut promos on each other. Lynch won the match by submission with a disarmor. After the match, Evans attacked Lynch and punched her in the face twice this time. Ooh, and uh, I'm going to retract on what I said about her having a really good working punch because one of them sucked, so I'll call it out when I see it. Um, but, yeah, I don't really care about this. I think – I really feel like she's going to lose one of those titles based on the fact that they're doing too much to her. And the way I think they're going to do it, she's going to have a quick match, but with Lacey – beat her at TLC for the uh, Raw title. Lacey's going to berate her, beat the crap out of her afterwards, do some sucker punch shit, and then she's going to go against Charlotte, beat Charlotte, and then someone's going to cash in that night for Money in the Bank and take out Lace, or one of those titles from. That's at least what I'm predicting. I don't fucking know. Maybe the man, maybe the man will lose to Charlotte Flair and all of you marks that are pissed off that Charlotte's doing so well and WWE can kiss my ass. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't think any of you guys are like that. Anyways, uh, but yeah, what do you think about her beating Alicia? And then are you are you more like excited? Are you psyched about this feud between her and uh, and Lacey Evans building up <laughs> at all? You couldn't even you couldn't even fucking seriously say that without starting to laugh when you asked me that question. Um, no, I did. <laughs> uh, no, I am not excited about that feud. Um, this Alicia Becky Lynch match was bad, and Alicia Fox is better than Lacey. So, if if Alicia Fox or Becky and Lacey have to go nine minutes at Money in the Bank, it's going to be a fucking nightmare to watch. Um, but yeah, this match was fucking terrible, and Becky Lynch should have smashed her like the War Raiders smashed Lucha House Party. There's no reason for this match to be nine minutes long, and it just wasn't a good match. Um, in all honesty, Becky Lynch should have demolished her. Um, just Alicia Fox has done dick all. So if you're gonna if you're gonna try to build Alicia Fox back up, the best idea to do is not have her fight the champion out of nowhere. And then if you're going to do that, you should at least have her get the shit kicked out of her by your champion to make your champion look strong. Um, so this entire segment, I thought the promo piece was good of it outside of Lacey saying that she was going to win both belts because then I was confused, like thinking to myself, Becky's going to have to defend both her titles every time she has one match, which would be like a really weird fucking thing because at that point you might as well make it like an undisputed title. But it sounds like she's just going to have two separate matches. At the pay-per-view, um, which would be awesome if she would have smoked Alicia Fox and then won both her matches at Money in the Bank and then lost to whoever won Money in the Bank. Like that's how you actually book that and make Becky Lynch look like a badass because then you have a natural feud there with someone. But uh, anyways, overall, that's how I felt kind of about that segment. I like the promo piece, but the rest of it was fucking high garbage. All right, let's talk about the mustache. Uh, coming in there with people like Silas Young and Joey Ryan, uh, Robert Rude repackaged a bit, more going towards the exact persona we said that they fucking should have done two years ago that he was rocking in NXT. Uh, the only difference, like I said, he's got the porno mustache, looking very similar <laughs> to someone else has a Rude uh, within their name, Mr. Rick Rude, like you alluded to. Um, he went against Ricochet. Uh, Bobby Roode uh, 
Uh, he won with his uh, DDT. It was a good match back and forth, showing how both guys are great fucking fantastic wrestlers. But the glorious DDT on Ricochet after dodging that 630 centon that he does. Um, sucks that Ricochet lost the match, especially his first match off of a tag. I think in this situation, though, you can give it to Rude, and I'm glad they did in a way because now, I mean, I know the mustache is a little bit ridiculous. I'll get used to that aesthetic, but I'm glad that they're doing heel Bobby Rude because I feel like the mid-card division and just they, he never should have fucking been a babyface because of his song. That song adds to his ego. You know, it doesn't have to just be, I don't know. I'm glad they're doing this. Either way, were you uh, unhappy with Ricochet losing, Chris? Yes and no, because creating a mid-card heel in Bobby Roode is probably not a bad idea. Um, I feel like you could have done this match with someone else, not necessarily Ricochet, but maybe this is how, you know, I, I don't know what they're building with Ricochet and, Bo- and Bobby Roode. Maybe they're just giving Ricochet a heel to work off of. It just seems like Ricochet's, even in tag matches, has lost a lot lately, and, and he's kind of been a hot commodity as far as the fans are concerned. So I'm a little surprised they went this route. But at the same time, it's WWE, so I'm not surprised. I think this is, you know, built, this is going to build up for an, one another match, either that, or you're going to see, you know, this is a one-off, and you're going to see Ricochet thrown into another tag team. I, I don't know why they're obsessed with putting him in the tag team, but at least I feel like that's where they're headed. I don't know if they see him as almost like, you know, the Sean of the Marty Jannetty type situation or like, you know, Robert Gibson and, and fucking uh, Rock and Roll Express because that's kind of what the role he played when he was with Alistair, um, even though Alistair's really good as well. But, you know, it's almost like he has that aesthetic to him now. And I, I'm just, for whatever reason, yeah. I just feel like they're going to toss his ass into a tag team for a while and then finally pull him back out of it. Um so I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just surprised because I thought that they would shoot him to the moon once they separated him in black. Um, especially when you Do have you Seth think Rollins it... at the top and AJ at the top. It just, it just seems like I know for a fact that he could have really fucking great matches with those guys. So well, it would just make the most sense think to skyrocket this... him. But Do you think this is the person we're going to say constantly throughout this next year? God, I hope he makes the jump to SmackDown. He's not doing too bad, but he would do so much better on SmackDown. I don't know that I can say that now just because of where what SmackDown's roster looks like, and there's just so many better matches that he could have here on Raw, but that doesn't mean that they won't fuck it up. Like, if they just continuously are fucking yeah. it up, he would be something different well, on SmackDown. The only person that's really like him there currently that I can think of is, is Balor. Yeah, and they're very, very different uh, st- flavor, if you will, of ice cream. Um but another f- different flavor of ice cream. We should talk about this, Chris. Um, so after these segments, one with the vulture coming out of the box, coughing, and the other one with the the dolly, uh, little evil, um, you know, doll laughing or whatever, we had the debut of the first episode of Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt, and I can't believe I was actually extremely entertained by this. I will say that I, I, I feel like it, was, like it was produced by Tim Burton, written by Tim and Eric, and shot by Tim and Eric, and it was like a, a, a Pee Wee Herman uh, spoof, which would be cool 
Paul Rubens has come out on WWE in the past. If you want to get him in a segment, that would make me laugh my ass off. It also makes me kind of wish that Matt Hardy was still broken because they could just have him show up for no fucking reason in one of those segments. It would be great. But I love this. It's creepy. It's weird. It's entertaining. He cut his old self with a fucking chainsaw, but his all smiles. I would build this. I would not have him have a match next week. Do a couple more of these segments. Build it up. And then when you have him come out, I think it would be much more impactful. By the way, I'd stick him on Raw because Undertaker can go both places. Um, but most, most, more importantly, yeah, Finn Balor and Aleister Black on SmackDown. I don't want them to just fucking group all the, the mystic guys in one thing. I don't think it will help this rendition of Bray. And uh, even though I think SmackDown could use the heels more, I think Bray could provide a lot of fun. I don't know if he's going to be a heel or if he's going to be like Doink where he was kind of creepy and weird, but like, you know, happy-go-lucky at the same time, so the audience liked him. This is something that could go wrong very fast, but I think that this first episode at least makes me think that Bray's been, uh, Bray's been thinking about this for a while, and uh, apparently the board was not happy with this, uh, with WWE. I forgot what it was reported on, but um, they, weren't, they weren't excited about this whole entire thing, and they decided to stick with it. And they're going to keep on going, so uh, we'll see. What did you think, Chris, about Firefly Funhouse? I actually liked it a lot. It was definitely kind of like a, like we were talking about before the show, a take on like Pee-wee's Playhouse or, or you know, uh, almost like a Mr. Rogers thing where he has his puppet friends. But obviously the puppets here are meant to scare children, not actually <laughs> be friendly. They're just saving <laughs> Bray's warped fucking mind. And... um I hope that he does wrestle as a face, whether he comes off as this scary, creepy guy or not. I, I don't think that really matters. I hope they do keep up with the vignettes, like you said. Um, the reason I say I hope he continues to be a face, or at least in his mind is a good guy, is because he's fucking not that great at being a heel in the ring, as far as how he's presented his character in the past, in my opinion. So this is yeah. kind of like the perfect way for him to get around that while still being a heel. Especially if he considers himself a friend to the children in Fireflies. Um, it could be a really creepy gimmick, but it's also something they haven't done before and something I haven't necessarily seen done before. So I'm, I'm enjoying this because it is something fresh and new. Um, what I hope they don't do, for the love of God, is throw him on SmackDown, and now that Matt doesn't have a partner, we're right back to Matt versus Prey. In a oh, few. God. Um, yeah, I said a, a I want, special guest. I don't. I don't want that tag team back. That would be terrible. Yeah. Yes, I, I want them to kind of flesh this thing out a little bit. Um. And hell, maybe even put him against some hills, but like put him against fucking uh, Baron Corbin, um, or or Samoa Joe, or do something like that where it's uh, it's it's almost heel versus heel, but. Bray is definitely playing the role of the good guy, I think, could be fun. Yeah, I definitely I, I dug it for sure. I really, really liked it. I think that we'll see some cool things unless they fuck it up. <laughs> I mean that's that's really what it comes down to. Unless they fuck it up. All right, or if uh, they make him thing. or I mean or if they just make him dial it back. Like I think if you dial this back from it, from where it's at right now, then it will it will be it will get bad real quick. Yeah, I don't want them to dial it back. That would be terrible. Um, last thing we already talked about a bunch. Obviously, Baron Corbin loses to AJ Styles. The match wasn't that 
I mean, it was fine. Um, and AJ is going against Seth. I did not realize how much shorter AJ was to Seth. Uh, a couple inches, actually, when they kind of had their like little stare off. Um, and also, like I said, we didn't really talk about this too much. The the tag division might not have a lot going on, you know, especially with strong tag teams. Uh, but the I would say for the Universal title, they have a pretty strong division. Do you think that them going with AJ versus Seth is a little bit too soon? Or will this start a grander feud that will continue going on? Because I know that they have, I believe Seth, he's been fighting, um, who have they been at house shows with? Maybe it's Baron Corbin. It's either Baron Corbin or Drew McIntyre. Seth's been fighting with recently. So that usually reflects what they're planning on doing later on. Um, Do you think that AJ and Seth will be revisited if that happens? Or what do you think about all this? I I mean, I just always feel like with, with AJ Styles, you're good for three matches. So whoever you book him against, you can have three matches out of it, like championship-wise. If you look back to like him versus John Cena, or even him and Orton, or him and uh, even him and Shinsuke, I think was a three-match thing. It just it just seems like you know with with AJ because he's so damn good, you can get away with having three matches because the three matches won't look the same. They'll be different and entertaining. So I feel like they could so draw this out. So extend the feud all summer. Yeah, they could probably draw this out all summer while they build McIntyre. Um, or extended out at least down. two matches until until McIntyre is ready to go for either AJ or Seth. My guess is they're probably going to keep this thing on Seth for a while, um, and then maybe you'll get Styles versus Samoa or whoever ends up winning the U.S. title um, after that. But uh, I'm assuming that you're going to get you know, unless they just straight have bear, unless they just straight have McIntyre win the fucking thing and, and take the title, which I think would be a little bit of a bad idea. I, I don't like hot shotting the title right after WrestleMania. But that is something yeah. they could do too if they really want to put the Jets on McIntyre as a top heel, which I don't think is a bad idea right now. I think that might that might actually be a smart move. Um, I would if he's going to win Money in the Bank, I wouldn't have him immediately cash in. I would I would draw this feud out with AJ and maybe even have, build it up so that AJ finally wins and then just immediately gets destroyed, and then you can set up you know matches between McIntyre and Seth going forward, which I think could be fun. Because one match we haven't seen yet is, uh, I don't, or at least I don't think, have we seen Seth versus Samoa Joe in WWE? Way back in the day. Yeah, it's been, it's been, Triple H? Oh, no, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it could be a fun, that could be a, another fun revisit that you could build into. That is right, because Triple H yep. had hired him as a, uh, as like a henchman kind of for a while, and then they, and then they just totally dropped that. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe they'll. And it was it awesome. Up. Yeah, it so, made a lot of sense. That is up. something that Triple H would do. <laughs> so I don't know why they dropped it hey, so hard. But they hey, hey, Joe, how's it going? It's Hunter. Um, could you do me a favor? And there's a guy at Seth. He sounds like he's got throat cancer. He's been pissing me off lately. All right, uh, let's go into SmackDown. Um, also, actually, let me ask you that quick answer because it doesn't bother me, but I know it bothers a lot of people. I, does it annoy you that Seth and Triple H are like buddy buddy now after their long, you know, friendship into feud sort of bullshit and him being the Kingslayer? Well, no, because it's Triple H. He's he's the game. 
So they it would it would be it would make sense for Triple H to act friendly now to Seth, being like, "Yeah, you beat my ass, whatever. I respect you now," so that he can fuck him later. That's Triple H. Yeah, Triple H has literally done that yeah. to Shawn Michaels like a bazillion times. <laughs> like, so no, it, it doesn't it doesn't really bother me, especially because Triple H isn't in wrestling mode right now. So it's it's such an easy thing to turn with Triple H. Because Triple H has made that cerebral assassin character such a part of his entire being, um, that no, I have yep. no problem with it. I think I think fans that would have a problem with that are people that don't look back over the history of Triple H's career and realize that he's literally done that to everyone he's ever been friends with, including every member of DX. So <laughs> I don't and I don't evolution. Have a with it. Yeah, like that is a trip. That's a very <laughs> Triple H thing to do. If you remember, he was friends with Seth Rollins to begin with. <laughs> And then screwed Seth yeah, Rollins. Yeah, he pushed him to the top. Seth, and then Seth Rollins beat him, and now he's friends with him again. But it's always a means to the ends with Triple H. It's never about yep. the person he's friends with. It's always about Triple H. All right. It's part. Yeah, I so, agree. No, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I was like, I just don't. People need to start learning how to bitch about better shit. Anyways. So it started off, Shane McMahon recapped, you know, Roman hurting his father and threatened to fire him. Um, he said, like, what, what type of man, like, puts his hands on some dad? Obviously, he's referencing the whole Miz thing. I don't care about their whole feud either, by the way. I hope Shane stays on SmackDown. They forget about the fucking Miz and Shane feud. I know a lot of people love it. I can't stand it. I think it's annoying as fuck, and I'm done with it. Um, so Shane called out Reigns, and... Reigns comes out. He's got a mic. He just drops the mic. Shane's acting like he's going to hit him. And then Elias comes behind Reigns. Reigns attacks both of them. And Elias and Shane get the better of him, beat him down. Uh, and then Elias does a drift away to him. Uh, this would continue with Elias in a song uh, that he's playing on guitar, uh, challenging Roman to a match before Shane told him to get the hell out of there before Roman was about to show up. Um and it's going to be Roman versus Elias, which a lot of us saw coming. Uh, I guess that's going to be his first feud. Don't go with him against um, uh, what you call Lars Sullivan right off the back. Maybe give him some stuff in between. So I'm fine with it. Probably not going to be the greatest match, though. I, I like Elias as a character. I really do. I dig him. But I just, I mean, he, 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 I think he has room to grow in the ring. I'll just be nice about it. I'm sure Chris will be a little bit meaner than I will. But, um, yeah. So I'm not expecting, like, fucking fireworks or anything like that. Either way, good way to set it up. Shane's always funny. I'm actually, I enjoy Shane more as a heel. If you get him away from The Miz and you just keep him being this heel version, I like it. It's not as, like, fucking bombastic as he was when he was younger and had way too much fucking energy. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see what comes with this. But uh, what, what did you think about all this, Chris? I think uh, for whatever reason, I feel like this is immediate setup to a three, like a, a two versus one match at at a pay per view, like you know, Elias and Shane versus Roman to give Roman a very strong win. I, I don't see them holding this thing with Roman and Elias for a long period of no. time. And the reason I say that is right now Elias is a good mid card almost comedy acts because he hasn't he hasn't had any wins to make him even in this position where he should be going against Roman. Um and you know I don't think that he's the worst in the ring. Like it's it's not even that. It's just when you book someone to get their ass kicked week after week after playing a song 
it's really hard for me to think that they're going to have any chance in hell against Roman Reigns. That's true. And from and from the way that they're bringing this up, like the way that they're seeming to have Shane involved in this and Vince involved in this, it seems like it will end up being a handicap match against Roman with Roman destroying both of these guys. So that's what I think is going on. So they're basically going to be tormenting Roman. He's going to destroy both of them. And then maybe, just maybe, you get Vince McMahon and Shane bringing in someone to take down Roman, which – as of right now, have we heard anything on Braun Strowman? Because that would be my guess. No! They will fucking revisit oh. that after. That that would be my guess. And that's probably how I would book huh? it, too, because I just don't know what else you do with Roman. You can't have him go against Kofi, believably. So you can't immediately push him to the to the title. Well, did you hear um, what he said on, on the um, second part of his documentary on Chronicle? Apparently, he's not really that interested. I mean, obviously, if, if Vince wants the fucking title on him, he's going to do that. But he's not as interested uh, at having the title uh, on either brands, basically. He kind of more just, more or less just wants to have great wrestling feuds, and if that happens, that happens. He's not, like, zoned in on it. Yeah, but he's the top guy, so he's eventually got to be – I mean, he is one of the top stars in the company, yeah. so he's eventually got to be at the top no matter what. I don't think there's a way around that, right? It, at least this gives them yeah. time. He can destroy Shane. It, the way I'm saying is he destroys Shane. He destroys Elias in this one-off match. Maybe they do one follow-up with some kind of person. They bring in Braun. He has something to do for the summer, and that lets you build Kevin Owens as a heel, and hopefully people are still behind Roman by the end of that, and at least you have Kevin Owens versus Roman. Because I, I think they will move on. You know, you'll probably get a couple matches with Kevin and Kofi, but I do think that title is probably coming off Kofi pretty quick, um, which it is what it is. And then I don't I don't know where they go with the rest of the middle of this card. I mean, a lot of it will obviously focus around um, Andrade and Finn Balor, but that's my guess of what they're going to be doing for the next few months uh, as far as the males go. I got gotcha. you. All right, well, next match was Finn Balor against Andrade. This was not for the IC title, but uh, obviously Andrade beat him on Raw. Now that they're on the same brand, we should probably go on that a little bit too. So they moved Andrade. There was a bunch of shithead fans that were saying that, oh, Charlotte's got all this power. She's pulling her boyfriend back on SmackDown, blah, 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 blah. Bunch of stupid shit. Watch the fucking wrestling people. Anyways, um... Yeah, I shouldn't say that to you guys. I know my listeners aren't, aren't aren't that ignorant about stuff, but there's a lot of ridiculous shit that I see online. It's fucking just fantastic. Like, come on. You're going to get mad at Charlotte because Andrade's back on SmackDown? I think that he's better off on SmackDown, honestly, in the scheme of things. Either way, Andrade's on there. Him and Charlotte are together. Well, since his manager is married to Aleister Black, he was brought on SmackDown. Aleister actually had a, a promo that was very vague. Uh, kind of scares me because if you look at it in the past, when it comes to Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy actually knew how to do it well. Just when you just give him a bunch of gibberish and they say large words and it's it doesn't it doesn't really work that well. But yeah, it's the first thing they might turn Aleister Black heel. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't I didn't know what the fuck to make from that, but I'm glad that he has a singles run and he's not on Raw. I think that's a better thing for him. So all of them are now on SmackDown and Cesaro's on Raw. Not a big deal. We went over it. We got through it, guys. Either way, this match was pretty damn good. I want to see a third match. I want to see a rubber match for the IC title. Um, 
You know, now Andrade has reason to claim Zelina Vega helped him win the first one. She's the reason why he lost the second one. They better not break them up. They need to stay together. But these guys have great chemistry. They're both incredible wrestlers. And when you watch it, you're like, damn. Both of them have been in the industry for a long time. Uh, really enjoyed Prince Devitt versus La Sombra. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? And do you want to see a third match possibly for Money in the Bank between the two of them? I think it's, I think it's. Uh, I thought it was a really good match. I, I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but it, they did do different stuff, um, and I enjoyed it. Agreed. I do hope it builds to the IC title match. Um, I will say the first match they had was a little longer. It is a little. I'm actually glad that it worked out this way because I thought it was really fucking stupid for Finn Balor to lose right before going to the other brand just to give a win to Andrade because there's no follow up to it. So at least now I get the follow up. <laughs> So I wasn't as upset as other people about him being switched because um, now we're going to get the follow-up. I mean, the follow-up is this is your IC title match, right? So that makes sense. Um, as far as the Charlotte thing, I mean, she has as much reason to complain as anyone else who's in a relationship with someone on the brands. I'm sure that they all would have complained if, if you know, Selena Vega would have been separated from Aleister Black with this move, she would have complained. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of reason why someone would be upset that their girlfriend or, or loved one was moved to a different brand. Um, but you know, and Charlotte obviously have a lot of we pool, know, but that this, this was actually a Fox poll. Like this had nothing to do with, with Charlotte regardless. I mean, you know that, but obviously like I want you guys to know that they wanted, you know, someone for their Hispanic uh, demographic and they wanted a big star and they requested that to raw so even though, to me, since Ray's more known, I would think they would do that. But either way, I'm fine with Andrade on SmackDown, whatever the yeah, case like Yeah, like, like I said, it ended up working out well just because of the Finn Balor thing anyways. So I, I didn't have a huge problem with it. It's whatever. I mean, and right now, even if that was the case, let's say even if it was partially Charlotte, I think anyone in the same situation would, would have the same reaction. Like if you split up Uso, like one of the Usos or the Uso from Naomi oh. – He's not going to be super fucking happy about that either. So and right now with as many people as they have that aren't happy that are walking out of places, the last thing that they want is to piss Charlotte off or piss someone off that bad who is a big star and have them just walk out. So, you know, we'll call it WWE being nice either way. Either they're being nice to Fox or being nice to Charlotte. But right now, WWE's got to be careful with what they do because there are a lot of people that aren't the happiest in the entire world. Absolutely. All right, I'm just going to go over these things uh, to get to the last big two things on this event since we have 10 minutes left. Um, Kari Sane defeated Peyton Royce. I don't know why the champions, once again, one of them's losing. This one at least has something where Kari Sane's with, uh, you know, um, wow, why can't, am I blinking on Asuka? Uh, they're, they're on a team together, so they can build off of this, where obviously, like I said, Naomi doesn't. Uh, but after the match, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, it looks like the, the Sky Pirates 2.0 are going to be going against Old Absolution, and then they'll go from there. Uh, and then Jinder Mahal showed up. Uh, he also jumped to SmackDown, so I lied. And um, Chad Gable is going to go against him. Lars Sullivan came out, destroyed all of them. Our truth tried to come, dressed so damn classy. I appreciate that, our truth He looked awesome. And then he got also destroyed. And then backstage, Reigns accepted Elias' challenge. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to move on unless you have something to say quickly about all that stuff, Chris, to the Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch stuff. No, I mean, it was just a lot of, uh, a lot of just putting Lars over. Right. So outside of that and the, the, obviously a title match setup, there wasn't a whole lot to say. I mean, I thought all of the segments were fine. Um, the Alistair promo was weird. Like you said, there wasn't anything terrible about it. It just wasn't anything to write home about. So ominous and, and vague. Um, so yeah, so we had we had Charlotte come out, she called out Becky. Um, they kind of had a little bit of a face off. Charlotte wanted another title shot. I and Becky actually, you know, Becky's apparently she beat her near five. The last five times I think is like some, what someone was saying. Um, she was saying that there's other people like Amber Moon, like Mickey James, like Bailey that deserve a title shot over you. Bailey comes out. Bailey's not fucking around this time. I actually like Bailey. I think she connected with the audience tonight. I think this, like, I'm sick of fucking, I'm, I'm no more hugging is what she said when she was on Raw. She's done with hugs. I, I like this edge that she's had because it really is reflected off what's going on in real life where she's kind of just, a little, she's got a little bit of a, a, an edge to her. And uh, she did lose to Charlotte, but it was a, a pretty damn good match. And I think that we're getting Charlotte out of the way. I have no problem with one of my one of the best wrestlers in fucking WWE, and also one of the best entertainers with Becky Lynch, one of the most over people. Them going at it one more time. I don't think Charlotte's going to get the title. If not, I'm looking forward to Bailey going against Charlotte. I think they can build up a really good feud. I think that Bailey looked really good in this, even though she lost. Uh, what do you think about the promos, uh, the mic smacking, if you will, and um, the match itself between Charlotte and Bailey? And are you upset that Charlotte won? I, I like the build up to this. I think Charlotte needed the win here, uh, win here, so I don't have a huge problem with it. I like Bailey's new attitude. If she is going to turn heel, it you know her losing to Charlotte would be just another, you know, another little bit of gasoline on the flame, right? So, I will say they didn't make Bailey look good. She you know she countered out of the figure four um, and then got speared for the fall. So it you know it wasn't really bad. I thought that was actually a really really damn good match and probably the best Bailey match I've seen in a long time. So maybe with her being moved to this brand and working with some new people, it'll do her a lot of good because she was also uh, not the happiest camper in the world during WrestleMania from what everyone was saying. So um, I think this change will do her a little bit of good and kind of getting a, getting her away and from Sasha, as bad as I hate to say this, I, they them together always just seemed bad because they never actually ended their fucking feud, which has always been kind of a problem. So this could be a good change for Bailey. So I look forward to seeing where they go from that and – it, it could end up just being a you know Charlotte versus Bailey, but I'm assuming from from what everyone's saying, it's it, Becky's fighting two matches of this pay per view, so that's that's what what we're probably getting. Yeah, and let's talk about the last match, and I'll just give you the uh, rundown of the matches for Money in the Bank. Uh, last match we had, you know, it was Kofi Kingston against Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke had uh, Rusev and Lana in his corner. And then we had Xavier and KO um, uh, over on doing commentary. And, man, Kevin Owens, pretty good at acting. Even he's acting, like, annoyingly happy-go-lucky as a commentator and, and, and making, like, small jokes and stuff. And then we have a part where, you know, um, basically the, the match is done. Kofi beats Shinsuke. And Kevin Owens is going to help out Kofi. Shinsuke runs, tries to do the Kinshasa after doing it. To Xavier on the outside, knocking out Xavier. Um, you know, uh, Kofi knocks KO out of the way. 
does a trouble in paradise, takes out Shinsuke, and immediately gets a super kick from Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens just berates him, has a little bit of problems, and I, I can understand because I work at a t-shirt company, getting that fucking New Day Gildan off of him. Um, uh, takes it off. He's got KO, um, whatever, the KO show, you know, fight, fight on his shorts. Very similar picture that we've seen many of times. Uh, goes, grabs the world title. Xavier's still knocked out, beats the shit out of Kofi some more, takes the title, says, um, did you enjoy your time? Did you enjoy it with your kids? Did you enjoy all this? Good, because I'm coming for it. I'm coming for this title. And just beats the crap out of some more, uh, takes him, he's about to do the powerbomb on the apron that he's done many times in the past. Uh, Xavier comes, saves Kofi, gets the powerbomb himself. It looked nasty as hell. I really just don't like that spot, honestly. I've always been like that. I don't know why he can do the pa- he can't do the package pile driver, but he can do that. Makes a lot of fucking sense. Um, uh, but either way, man, Kevin Owens standing on on um, on Kofi's head with the title in the air. We've seen that many times in the past. Chris, I know that you were hoping more for a babyface run, and I'm wondering if he's still going to use a stunner. If he's going to stop doing that, he's definitely doing the mud hole stomping. Um, but now that he's a heel. I know you were looking more for a face run with KO, and I completely understood it. I think that both, either way, we've both kind of gotten a little bit sick of the whole goofy Kevin Owens aspect. We want more of the Kilstein kill and what I've been watching with him in NWA where he's just more dominant like this, the prize fighter. Um, even though you, you didn't really want it, did you still enjoy this heel turn, and did you see it coming this quickly? I either thought that he would be completely away from New Day this week and that was just a one-off or that he would be turning heel like we talked about and that's what happened. And there was a really great spot here where he backdrops um, Xavier over the top rope and Rusev's nowhere near there. So it's like he fucked Xavier up on purpose and that kind of led into the finish of this match and I thought that was just a really cool spot by both of them. Um and, and obviously the ending where Kevin Owens just demolished him. And I like that they let him demolish both Kofi and Xavier uh, just to really show that he is a dominant guy because it's been so long since we've seen that version of Kevin Owens considering last time we saw him, he was losing to, like, fucking Jinder Mahal on Raw or some shit. So um, it was good to at least see them play this version of Kevin Owens with him being dominant. I think it's a good person to put him against with Kofi size-wise, and I look forward to seeing where they go from here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, so with Money in the Bank, we have uh, Seth and AJ for the Universal title, Becky versus Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's title, Becky versus Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's title, Roman Elias, and I'm assuming KO versus Kofi. I'm assuming Andrade versus Finn, and I'm assuming a little bit Ray versus Joe for the U.S. title. Um Pretty good uh, Money in the Bank. I'm sure we're going to hear about the the people, the participants, and the actual Money in the Bank matches themselves probably next week or the next after that. But either way, we had a great show, guys. Thank you for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We're here 7 p.m. EST every Wednesday. GVNation.com for news, updates for comics, comic book movies, wrestling, sports, video games. You like to hear about it. Geek-wise, we cover it. Also, links to our Twitter, Instagram, and our Facebook Come and check it out. If you want to bitch at me, go to my Twitter page because the burner account that someone made for me, and you can just do that. If you want to hit me up, though, Facebook, Dane Alves, D-A-N-E-A-L-V-E-S. 
Thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show with me. Say goodbye to the beautiful people. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. And uh, remember, just let the geek vibes be with you and listen to us next week. I fucked that all up. Anyways, peace out, guys. (laughs) Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.